You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Happy Thursday to you. It's time for our crossover preview. In just a few moments, I'll be joined by Mike DeBate, the host of the Lockdown Patriots podcast, to help us get ready for this game on Monday Night Football. Obviously, I have some uh, questions that I want to ask him about this New England Patriots team now that they have officially not only ended their streak of winning the AFC East, but they're not making the playoffs this year. And they're very much a team in transition with an interesting offseason ahead. So Mike and I are going to talk about that here in just a few moments. But first, it's been a few days and I haven't had a chance to talk about the Bills and the Pro Bowl. And the Bills had five Pro Bowlers this year, as you know. Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Andre Roberts, Tredavious White, and Stephon Diggs. I think we can all say that those five players were absolutely deserving of those honors. I think the challenging part is some of the snubs. Jordan Poyer, the most obvious one. I sent a text message to my brother earlier in the day on Monday before the rosters were announced, and I said, without a doubt, like no questions asked, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Jordan Poyer and Trey White are are Pro Bowlers. Like, there's just no doubt about it. Poyer won the fan vote, right? So, Pro Bowl voting is, you know, one third fan vote, one third players vote, one third coaches vote. The dude won the fan vote, but somehow the players and the coaches were the responsible parties here for Jordan Poyer not being in the Pro Bowl, what is going on? If Jordan Poyer is not a Pro Bowl safety this year, I don't know what is. Very disappointing. I think he's deserved it in the past, but he's deserved it more than ever this year. Super disappointing. That one is the one that really bothered me. I think you can make a case for either Daryl Williams or Deion Dawkins. You can maybe make a case for Cole Beasley, maybe Jerry Hughes. Micah Hyde, but how does Poyer not get in? I, I don't, I don't know. Like, wake up! It, I, the disappointing part is it's not the fans' fault. Like we talk about the Pro Bowl being a popularity contest and all that. Well, <laughs> it's the players and coaches that let them down. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I'm still fired up about it, even though it's been, you know, a few days since the news came out. I just, I just can't believe Jordan Poyer is not a pro bowler. And Tremaine Edmonds is. I, you guys know I love Tremaine. I really do. Well, he he hadn't been better than Poyer this year. Oh, boy. All right. Well, nothing we can do about it, but um, we know who Jordan Poyer is. Jordan Poyer knows who Jordan Poyer is. 
The Buffalo Bills organization knows who Jordan Poyer is, and he's one heck of a safety, and I'm really happy that he's on our team. One last thing before we get to my conversation with Mike DeBate, I want to just say thank you. You know, we're coming up on the holidays here, and uh, we won't have a podcast on Friday for you. This is the last one this week. We'll pick things up again on Monday. Uh, But just as we're in the holiday season here, I just want to thank everyone for tuning into this podcast. You know, two years ago, January of 2019, I took this gig, this role as the host of this podcast, and I didn't know what I was getting into. I had no idea if I'd like it. I was intrigued by the opportunity. I had a ton of experience on the Locked On Podcast Network, but never just, you know, Bill-specific coverage. And in two years, this thing has grown exponentially. It's been great for me and my family, and um, I'm so thankful to you for listening to this podcast. I, I try to do my best every day to give you something worth listening to and worth pushing play on. And, you know, I don't think I'm overly talented or that I do anything special, but I I do know that my effort and my care is very high and I, and I work really hard at this thing and, and I really hope to deliver something that people want to listen to and the numbers speak for themselves. And, and I'm really, really honored to do this podcast. It's something that I enjoy. I couldn't imagine it not being part of what I do on a daily basis and it not being a part of my professional portfolio in football media. So uh, thanks for giving me your ear because if nobody listened to this podcast, I wouldn't get to do it. And um, I'm very, very grateful. And I, and I won't take it for granted. I won't take for granted the interactions that I get to have with Bill's Mafia, the fact that you guys want to talk, ask questions, get my opinion on stuff participate, engage. I love it so much. And um, as we get towards the end of the year here and obviously into this holiday season, I just want to take a quick moment and say thank you. I'm I'm grateful. I'm blessed. And um, I'm really I'm really proud that I get to do this podcast and um, talk to you guys every day. So I won't ramble any any more here, but I just want to say, say thank you. And um, I'll keep working really hard to make this worthwhile for you to push play on each and every day. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming more clear. There is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. That is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. I'm looking at the calendar ahead and I see these Saturday football games Tampa Bay and Detroit. You got the 49ers and Cardinals, Dolphins and Raiders. That's a big one for the playoff race. And betonline.ag has the best lines in the business. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Need to tell you guys about Built Bar. This is the best tasting protein bar on the planet. They have tons of amazing flavors, so much variety. They're all covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. 
Built Bar is great for anyone who is health conscious. Whether you want to lose weight, maintain weight, or just indulge in a delicious treat, you got to try Built Bars. They're all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're perfect for anyone who is on the keto diet. You know I got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Patriots fans, Bills Mafia, my how the tables have turned. This Monday, the AFC East Division champion Buffalo Bills take their talents and their billboards to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots, who for the first time in 11 seasons will not be a part of the playoff party in 2020. 8 p.m. December 28th, Monday night in week 16 of the 2020 NFL season. It's a Christmas Eve crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Mike DeBate, host of the Locked On Patriots Podcast, and joining me is my friend and colleague, Joe Marino, host of Locked On Bills. Joe, it's always my honor, always my privilege to join you on the mic for these crossovers. Looking forward to this one here, Mike, and as you said, we're... We're in different spots <laughs> than we normally are, so um, it's going to be interesting to kind of have this conversation from really different vantage points for the first time in a you know uh, a long, long time. Absolutely, it really is, and I'm sure you've been looking forward to this, especially over the course of the last couple of weeks, where it looked painfully obvious that the Patriots' demise was kind of circling the drain. No, I'm only kidding, folks. Uh, it is the ultimate role reversal here, though, this week, buddy, uh, for the Patriots and the Bills. Uh, Buffalo has clinched the division title, marching toward one of the top seeds in the AFC, and I say this with every bit of sincerity, boy, do they deserve it. Uh, great year up in Buffalo uh, and, and playing some great football. The Patriots, on the other hand, 6-8, and eight, they're playing out the string, but there might just be some motivation to spoil the Bills' hopes at the number two seed in light of this freefall that we're seeing in Pittsburgh. Buffalo's got a legitimate shot to be one of the top seeds in the uh, in the conference this year, and I think they have the inside track on that, but it's not going to be easy for the Pats to spoil that by any stretch of the imagination. Buffalo clearly is the better team in 2020, and Joe... The Bills owe a lot of that to the play of quarterback Josh Allen. Uh, the kid has really come into his own. He's enjoying a terrific year. Completed 69% of his passes, or almost 69% of his passes. 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. That's a great ratio and really elite numbers, dare I say, folks. Uh, his size, his mobility uh, really has allowed him to manipulate the pocket better than I've ever seen him do it. He's buying time for his receivers. And that group has been great as a result of Josh Allen's play. So, Joe, in a nutshell, what has been the difference this year in Josh, and how have you seen him emerge into one of the more elite quarterbacks in the NFL this year? You know, you, you can spread around the blame, if you will. I think there's plenty of people that deserve credit. Uh, obviously, general manager Brandon Bean for the job he's done building up the infrastructure around Josh Allen to put him in position that he can be the best version of himself and, and reach his ceiling this year. And that starts with bringing in Stefan Diggs and trading that first round pick for him. And, and Diggs has 111 catches through 14 games. Um, that's a bill's record, the, you know, with two games left to go. So Stefan Diggs being the true number one receiver has, has really made a big impact, but you know, year three with Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, I think that has mattered a lot for Josh Allen and his development and growth. Um, you see so many young quarterbacks with unfortunate a lot a lot of changes at offensive coordinator where you know look at everyone from that 2018 class outside of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson 
they've all had multiple coordinators already. And so Josh Allen's been able to grow with Brian Dable. Uh, Jordan Palmer, his personal quarterbacks coach, has done a wonderful job of helping correct some flaws. But as we want to point fingers and say this person did this and this person did this and this is why Josh Allen has developed to the caliber that he has, that the person who deserves the most credit is Josh Allen. He's worked extremely hard. And so often we, we want to go back and say, yeah, everyone was wrong about Josh. You ever, you're wrong. You, you didn't have it right. Well, the reality was Josh Allen was a struggling quarterback at Wyoming who you watch him play and you see the size, you see the athleticism, you see the arm talent, but that's probably the end of the list. You saw very inconsistent results when it comes to accuracy, decision-making, processing, mechanics, and you know, you, you gamble on that. You gamble and say, well, I, I think he can overcome these things and the physical traits can carry him and we'll bet on ourselves to bring this guy into the building. But at the end of the day, he wasn't a good college quarterback in, in the Mountain West. And, and when you look at those games against the Power Five, when he had a chance to play Oregon and Nebraska and Iowa, I mean, he, he, he was horrible. And so it's hard to project a player, especially, you know, especially a quarterback, to be a better professional than he was college player. But the Bills understood the skill set, but I think more importantly, they understood the person and the work ethic and how much he cared and how much he had natural intangibles and leadership traits. And, you know, he didn't want to let anyone down. And um, he's worked extremely hard with improving his accuracy and improving his mechanics and understanding the game better and making better decisions. And he deserves all the credit for getting better. You think about the, the playoff game to Houston last year, uh, the Bills lost in overtime and you know, I think we saw the best and worst of Josh Allen in that game. And you could you could look at that game and see some of the reckless tendencies of Josh Allen and think maybe the the Bills front office and, and coaches would say, Well, yeah, we really like Josh, but we got to reel him in. We've we've got to uh we've got to try to coach some of that out of him. But to their credit, they didn't do that. In fact, all they did was say, you know, we're we want more. We want to give you more opportunities. We're gonna go get you Stefan Diggs. And uh, we're going to let you throw the ball like 40 times a game and you're going to sink or swim. And, um, you know, the Bills have gambled on themselves. They've put themselves in positions to be right. And, and right now, uh, with him being, you know, the, the third best odds to be the NFL MVP here as we approach the last two games of the season, I think that speaks for itself. Yeah, very impressive accolades. And you know what? Well-deserved, Joe. I agree with you. And he does deserve a lot of credit for putting in the work. You mentioned working hard and trying to perfect your craft. That's what the great ones do. And uh, not to upset Bills fans, but... I'd really watched one of the greatest in the NFL uh, in, in the terms of history uh, do it here for a better part of two decades in Tom Brady. The guy put the work in, was always the first guy in, the last guy to leave. Um, I remember first off, you know, speaking to people that have covered the team early on in the dynasty days of how he would essentially flood the quarterback room with questions, uh, really absorb everything he could from guys like Charlie Weiss and Bill Belichick, um, really trying to do his best to understand the game better and make himself better, hearing a lot of the same things going on in Buffalo with Josh Allen. So definitely uh, a lot of credit and credit is well-deserved this year for what he's done. Joe, you mentioned Stefan Diggs, and as the Bills hoped when they brought him in, He's been one of the NFL's best wide receivers this season. You mentioned his stat line, very impressive. And in my opinion, another big reason why the Bills offense has taken an enormous step forward this year. Slowing him down is a challenge for any team, but 
it might be even a bigger challenge for the Patriots this weekend because, as you know, Stefan Gilmore is out for the remainder of the season with a partially torn quadricep. He's having surgery to repair that. And that means J.C. Jackson will likely get the primary matchup with Stefan Diggs. Now, J.C. is a former undrafted rookie, but he's been an interception machine this year for the New England Patriots and has really come into his own uh, as a potential cornerback, one, not only on this team, but potentially on another team. There's, there's a lot of offseason question marks for the Patriots, and I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. But with Gilmore out, conventional wisdom would say, that's a matchup you want to try to test. You want to try to go after the weakness. But Jackson may not be a weakness here. Do you expect the Bills to test J.C. Jackson in coverage by allowing Josh Allen to throw in Stefan's direction? You know, I, I am really fascinated by thinking about and, and learning what Bill Belichick is going to do defensively against the Bills this time around because, Mike, I was really surprised by the plan when the teams met up in Week 8. And we had really, really, really windy con conditions in Western New York. And even with that being the case, Bill Belichick went out there and played at least six defensive backs on all but two snaps in the game. I mean, six or seven defensive backs in, in a situation when you have 30 to 40 mile an hour winds. And it was almost like Bill Belichick said, well, if you want to run the ball, get all the rushing yards you want, but we don't want you to beat us in the passing game. And it was a very, it was a very different game script for the Bills compared to everything they've done before and after, quite honestly, because I think it was just a situation where Belichick said, here's all the DBs, run the ball, and the Bills obliged. And, and it wound up working out for Buffalo. But, you know, obviously at the end of the game, the Patriots certainly had their chance to win it. The, the fumble by Cam Newton was um, was prohibitive to that being the case, but it, it, it worked from that perspective. And so, you know, when we start talking about Diggs versus Jackson. I'm fascinated to see what the defensive game plan is and what that means for the Bills and how they're going to attack New England. I mean, you go back to that week eight game, Stefan Diggs uh, was targeted seven times in coverage against JC Jackson, and he had five catches for 84 yards. And obviously, JC Jackson did have an interception when he was. Um, guarding Stefan Diggs. So, you know, I, I would say that Diggs had a, a fair amount of success in that earlier matchup, um, even with the conditions where Belichick invited the Bills to run the football. So we'll see how the game plans evolve, but I, I don't think I don't think the Bills offensively look at anything and say we have to we have to attack this guy or don't have to attack this guy. I think they're gonna run their plays and they're gonna go through the progressions and they're gonna go to the places uh, that the defense gives them, and um, I think we've we've kind of learned that about this team as they take on a new identity every week. And uh, I'm anxious to see what Belichick does defensively because that's going to dictate the type of uh, offense and, and matchups that the Bills want to to run on Sun on Monday night. Yeah, that's a good point. You as well as I am curious as to how Bill is going to play this one because, look, the Patriots' defense has always predicated itself on having strong suits. They may have been weak against the run at times, but always with a lockdown secondary. Or they may have had a subsequent secondary, but they were always stout up front and were able to stop the run. 
this year the Patriots have shown cracks in the foundation in both areas. And I say that with a lot of respect for the secondary, which has still had a largely good season. But there have been times where they've looked suspect as well. And when Gilmore was not in the lineup earlier this year, being out with a knee injury, uh, they looked like they were really struggling. And I wonder if those days have returned here to New England on Monday night, especially with a very formidable Buffalo passing game. But they can run the ball as well. We remember what Zach Moss and Devin Singletary did to the Patriots the last time these two teams played. Could it be a repeat of that? Your guess is as good as mine, my friend, but this Bills team can run the football and they can pass it, and that's a lethal combination for the Patriots to have to endure. Uh, last but certainly not least, uh, the Bills defense, um, especially their run defense, Joe, they've had an up-and-down year, but in recent weeks, things have been much better up front for them. Uh, over the last couple of months, or really over the last month, the Bills have been very good against the run, and that's led to a bit of resurgence for the entire defense. Uh, I think Matt Milano's return to the linebacking core has been one of the reasons why Buffalo just seems to be playing with more confidence with him in the lineup. And when the run defense is doing its job, the Bills' secondary can really go to work on the Patriots' pass catchers, which haven't exactly been that prolific this year, if I'm being very honest. Uh, this Buffalo secondary is a lot healthier than it was during the first meeting, Tredavious White, Levi Wallace, Teron Johnson, um, definitely as formidable of a corner team as you can get in the NFL. Then you've got Jordan Poyer, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde in the safety position. This is going to be a tough matchup for the Patriots. Um, in your opinion, Joe, is the Buffalo defense peaking at the right time and always? And how far might it carry them in the postseason? I think that's exactly the right way to put it. They are peaking at the right time and you know, early this season, they struggled mightily, and and we were all wondering what happened to this Bills defense because it was in the top three in 2018 and 2019, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they couldn't play anymore. And I think initially we underrated some of the continuity issues on defense where you look at the defensive line in particular, the Bills like to rotate defensive linemen a ton, and gone from last year's unit was Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips. And, uh, you know, you, you also have Starla Tulele who opted out of the season and you don't have him available. Lorenzo Alexander's not here. Kevin Johnson's not here. And you're introducing a lot of new pieces, especially up front on the defensive line, bringing in Mario Addison and Quentin Jefferson and Vernon Butler and AJ Epinesa. And you're reinserting Harrison Phillips back into the lineup after he missed a season. And then, you know, early in the year, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano are injured. And it was just a lot of injuries, a lot of new pieces, a lot of trying to figure things out a lot of wondering why the Bills were struggling so poor, so much on defense, and you kind of felt like the team was reeling a little bit and they didn't have a lot of confidence, but they were still winning because of their offense. And I think as the season has moved along, the team has gotten healthy. They figured out how to use their personnel more favorably, and really dating back to about week seven, the Bills' defense really started to, to shift and, and get back to their ways, and I think over the last – three, four games, they're really peaking and playing good ball. And I think even back early in the season when we were frustrated about those struggles, it, it was it was always nice to say, well, they're still winning and we know that they haven't played their best football yet. And, you know, you're, they always say, you know, you're going to remember no re remember November and, you know, December's really matters and you really want to play good football in January, right? So it was always that silver lining that we know that this team can play defense. These coaches, these players have been a part of good defense in the past, 
And as much as we like to talk about regression to the mean, right? When somebody's overperforming, everyone says, well, eventually they have to come down to earth. What we don't do, Mike, enough is, is when somebody's struggling and they normally don't, we don't talk about the ascension to the mean, right? So there had to be a path to get better because there's, it wasn't justified for them to perform as poorly as they have. So I think that they are peaking at the right time and that's exciting. Um, you, you, you asked the question, you know, how, how far can it take them to in the postseason? And, and I think you look at this Bills team offensively and defensively, and I, I don't want to get ahead of where they are in their life cycle, but I don't think that there's a team that the Bills can't play with in the NFL right now. I think, you know, the, the darling of the league is the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's obviously a very daunting opponent. And, you know, I'm not going to predict the Bills to beat the Chiefs, but, um, you know, I think after that, you 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 feel comfortable that you can hang with and, and score with and play with anyone out there. So uh, the Bills are in a good spot. Uh, it's it's a weird spot because they really haven't been here in a long, long, long time. But uh, this team is peaking at the right times, and and I do think that does really start with the defense because the offense has been fairly consistent all year long. Yeah, very good point. And uh, don't tell our good friends over at Locked On Chiefs, but uh, I'm liking the Bills' chances in that matchup. And uh, that's very tough for a Patriots guy to say, but I really love the way this team is constituted. They're peaking at the right time. Big things possibly in Buffalo. So uh, get the tables ready, Bills Mafia. You never know. This could be a big season for them. But Locked On listeners on both sides of the coin, we're just scratching the surface when it comes to our prognostication on this Monday matchup in Foxborough in just a moment. Joe Marino and I flip the script, and he will place me on the hot seat. We keep our friends close and our enemies closer when this Patriots-Bills crossover Thursday right here on the Locked On Podcast Network continues. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills joined by Mike DeBate, the outstanding host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. And it's my turn to ask Mr. Mike DeBate some questions about this New England Patriots football team, which is in an interesting spot, one that's really unfamiliar. You know, you think about 11 straight AFC East champions, uh, championships, uh, not going to be the case this year. There's no playoffs this year. There's no Tom Brady in the building. What's the vibe, Mike? I mean, how are people feeling? How are the the fans responding to, you know, a down year and, and what's just the overall vibe when it comes to this Patriots team? Uh, if you're a Ghostbusters fan, Joe, then you'll know Peter Finkman said it best. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. No, I'm kidding, folks. It's not quite that bad, but it's definitely a role reversal for New England. Look, you can't undergo the type of success that the Patriots organization has had over the course of the last two decades without feeling a letdown when there's still football to be played in this season, but you're essentially not playing for anything. Even in the years where the Patriots were not division-bound or did not win the division uh, following their first um, Super Bowl title back in 2001 and 2002, they missed the following year, but they were within an eyelash of making the playoffs. Even the quote-unquote Matt Castle year in 2008 when Tom Brady went down with the injury, they were still close to making the playoffs. This is a little bit of a different animal for most recent Patriots fans. So I think they're weathering through it okay. A lot of fans are frustrated, obviously, uh, calling for the head of Bill Belichick, calling for the head of Cam Newton, uh, saying that this team needs to be blown up, torn down, uh, break the bank, back up the Brinks truck, sign every available free agent. I, I've heard thousands of rumors and thousands of um, theories out there that really, whether you say they hold water or not is really up to you and up to your uh your discretion but uh bottom line 
I think Patriots fans recognize that this team was going to take a step back when they lost Tom Brady. You can't lose someone of that magnitude and not expect it to affect your team on the field the way it has. Couple that in with the fact that the Patriots were very much hurt by opt-outs, uh, more than any other team in the NFL. Uh, some very significant players uh, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to mentoring, uh, three in particular, Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Brandon Bolden. These guys are... Uh, salt of the earth when it comes to helping young players develop and the Patriots didn't have any either one of those three uh, in the lineup or in the locker room this year they've tried to mentor from afar but it's much different uh, you know you don't have that on-field tutelage that you're used to seeing Patriots have a number of rookies uh, some departures that they never really quite filled well um, and I'm not just talking about the quarterback position I'm talking about the linebacking core um, I'm talking about the uh, the middle and the interior of that defensive line losing guys like Danny Shelton and Kyle Van Noy and Alandon Roberts and Jamie Collins have really hurt this team. So there's been a lot of reasons for the Patriots' struggles. Uh, the vibe right now is that we're looking ahead to 2021 and seeing what the future can bring. But this is going to be a very telltale offseason for Bill and for a lot of the Patriots' brain trust because there's a lot of eyes on them this year. The offseason ahead for the Patriots is fascinating to me. Um, what do you think here, Mike? I mean, how much longer do we think Bill Belichick's going to be running the ship here? What's next for this team? They have a lot of cap space. I think they're in the top four uh, when it comes to available cap space to bring in some new talent. They're going to be picking fairly high in the draft. Um, but at the same time, you, you kind of look at this from two, you know, both sides of the coin here first, that uh, you do get some significant players coming back off and opt out. You do have cap space. I mean, do you try to, to quickly reassemble this team and see what can happen and try to get back to uh, having a chance? Or is this that opportunity for a very hard reset, maybe moving on from some players, uh, maybe trading up in the draft for a quarterback or, or just doing something here to, to bring in you know new faces and young talent to start replenishing this thing? Like, What direction do you see this going uh, as we look ahead to uh, what's a, a really unusual offseason coming up for the Patriots? Well, it's going to think, I, I think, Joe, it's going to take a lot of determination as to what the Patriots choose to do with the quarterback position. I think that's going to be telltale. And I know that sounds obvious, but it really does make a lot of sense. First of all, with regard to Bill Belichick, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I know a lot of people have speculated that Bill is ready to walk out the door. Uh, we've been hearing that for years. Uh, this goes back to when they lost their first Super Bowl to the Giants. Uh, the thought was that he was going to follow them out the door and he was going to head there as soon as Coughlin decided to retire. So we've heard all the rumors about Bill, but everything that I've seen about the way he's prepared this year and the way he's going forward is that he's still here for the foreseeable future. Now, am I talking 10 years? years from now absolutely not but at least the next few uh, i still see bill belichick stalking the sidelines in foxborough with regard to the cap space that you mentioned yeah any projection that you see has the patriots anywhere from 60 to 70 million dollars in cap space available at the very least uh, that could increase depending on what the cap looks like after uh, the 2020 season and all the covid uh, uh, you know um, parameters are straightened out they may end up having even more at that disposal so do the patriots look to the draft to rebuild the quarterback position? Do they go with what they have? Are they going to use Cam as a bridge quarterback for yet another season? Uh, my guest on Locked On Patriots yesterday, Sarah Marshall, and I discussed this, and we talked about whether or not Cam may actually be the best bridge to the future if the Patriots can't find the guy this year. And in the draft, it's going to be tough for them to find the guy. They can do it, but 
the highest graded quarterbacks right now that are coming out, and you know this better than anybody, I'm talking to one of the gurus here, um, obviously Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, they're the gems of this, but Zach Wilson is playing at a high level. We saw him light the world on fire a couple of nights ago for BYU. Mac Jones is another possibility from Alabama. Kyle Trask out of Florida, even Sam Howell of UNC. We've been talking about these players. Where the Patriots are designed to pick as of right now they may not have the option or the ability to get any one of those guys. And if they can't, then you're looking at maybe a trade or maybe free agency and bringing in a new quarterback, um, depending on who's available. Is that going to be available? Do you look at maybe Matt Stafford or Matt Ryan? Uh, are they priable away from their current teams? Uh, do you go with basically a run of the mill veteran quarterback or do you look at Jarrett Stidham and give him a hard look this year? Do we see him maybe this weekend or against the Jets in another week? Um, there's a lot of question marks for New England right now, but ultimately their offseason is going to determine how this rebuild moves forward. If they're able to get the guy they've identified right off the bat, and it may not be a name the fans even want or know right now, then Bill Belichick will kick this into high gear and he'll do it quickly. If they're not able to, and they do decide to bring Cam back for another year or go with a veteran option as a bridge quarterback, then I think you're looking at a longer sustained uh, rebuild, and then it may take a few years to get back in. So it really is going to be an interesting offseason, and the Patriots could play it either way. It's just too early to tell right now. And you know this better than anybody. Bill Belichick is not a guy that's known to tip his hand. He's not going to open up his playbook to the media and let everyone know what he's thinking. He's going to keep it very close to the vest. And by all indications, that's exactly what's happening in New, in New England right now. Mike, it hasn't been all bad in New England this year. And, and I, I want to focus on some of the positives that have come out of this season. And I think for me, I look at this team and I see a lot of young players that look to be building blocks for this team moving forward, whether that's Michael Onwenu on the offensive line or Jacoby Myers at wide receiver. Kyle Duggar has been uh, you know, really effective as the season moves along at safety. Josh Uche looks like a good player. I mean, obviously, J.C. Jackson and John Jones. When you kind of take inventory here and you think about you know, what was useful for this year to move forward and build with and, and kind of get the Patriots back, what are some of the biggest things that come to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, they've had a good amount of bright spots on both sides of the ball, including uh, in special teams, uh, which Matthew Slater, despite his age and getting up there and long in the tooth in football years, uh, continues to be the gold standard on special teams. And he's really anchored that unit this year. But Jake Bailey is the punter. I mean, a lot of people talk about him as the potential Patriots MVP um, in terms of hang time, distance, uh, you know, leg strength. He's been phenomenal in pinning opponents inside the 10 on a consistent basis. There's not something that's easy to do. The Patriots definitely play special teams as an equal, sometimes even more important element than offense and defense, and it shows why they continue to be among the league's best in that department. On defense, you mentioned a lot of rookies, a lot of young players uh, that are rounding into their own. Uh, Uche, to me, has a huge upside. He's being used right now as a situational pass rusher. I, for one, in the final two games of the season, would like to see him unleashed a little bit more. Maybe utilize in some run packages. See what the kid can do, because if he's able to help set the run alongside a guy like Chase Winovich, that allows you, or set the edge, I should say, that allows you to be able to play better run defense, and that's something where the Patriots have really struggled. They lack that veteran presence in the middle and the interior of that defensive line, and it's really spelled some difficulties and really disasters the last couple 
couple of games against the uh, Los Angeles Rams and most recently on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. So they have to shore that up. Uh, but those are the bright spots on uh, defense that I like. Kyle Duggar has been outstanding. He's definitely the strong safety of this team for the future. Uh, you pair him alongside a guy like Adrian Phillips, who's done a great job coming in here from Los Angeles. Um, over 100 tackles. The first Patriot uh, to do that since 2004 when Rodney Harrison did it. So bright spots, not only the young players, but some veterans they've brought in have played well uh, also. And Adam Butler and Lawrence Guy have been great in that uh, uh, that in, uh, interior of the uh, uh, defensive line as well. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, the Patriots definitely have some talent at the running back position. Damian Harris has been Excellent. Everything is advertised, if not more, uh, really has emerged as the number one option for this team on the ground. He runs with power. He can run with speed. He can be a finesse runner if you want, but he's the type of back that can put his head down and get you yardage when you really need him to grind it out. Sonny Michelle has developed into a nice compliment, and I would love to see a full season of these two guys healthy, being able to run the ball in tandem. Sony had a very good game against uh, uh, Miami, and if Damian, for any reason, doesn't go on Monday night against the Bills, I look for Sony to be a big part of that as well. In the pass-catching department, the Patriots have definitely suffered a little bit, but Jacoby Myers is a true player. He's emerged in the slot. Nikhil Harry is the pariah of Patriots Nation right now. People are fed up. They want to see more from him. I think there is a little bit of spark there to hang on to. I think he can go up, make contested catches. I still think there's something to hold on to with Nikhil, but he's going to have to show it quickly. Otherwise, uh, they're going to start circling the wagons on him pretty soon. So um, bright spots, uh, you know, in, in different uh, areas for the, uh, the Patriots, but uh, a good young core and a good young nucleus to build around is what fans can hang their hat on in Foxborough. Last one I have for you, Mike, is uh, kind of building off something you said earlier in our discussion. The Patriots still have football to play this year, and so do the Bills. The Bills have very meaningful games here with uh, their quest to be the number two seed, which I think is something they should really, really strive to, to, to get. Uh, that way you really avoid that date with the Chiefs until the AFC Championship game. So you have a team that is trying to be a top seed. You have a team that's trying to, trying to play spoiler what are your expectations for this football game? I mean, it's it's the first game since the Patriots have been officially eliminated from the postseason. Just what high-level thoughts come to mind when you think about the game actually being played on Monday I night? would love to say that the Patriots are going to be able to show what they're made of, come out and be able to give the Bills a game and maybe even spoil some of their hopes for that second seed. But if I'm being honest, uh, Joe, I just don't see it happening. I think the Bills are clearly the better team on both sides of the ball. Look, uh, I mentioned earlier that the linebacking core of the Buffalo Bills has seems to be rejuvenated with Matt Milano back in and the guys really playing well around him. Um, the Patriots right now are predicated on running the football. That's where their offense is at its best for all of the struggles that Cam Newton has had throwing the ball. They can run effectively when he's using those patterns, utilizing the zone reads, maybe even an RPO taking it himself or handing off to guys like um, Damian Harris or Sony Michelle. Buffalo's run defense lately has been much better at stacking the box and forcing teams to throw the football. That's where the Patriots start to fall apart. And I think Buffalo is going to do that on Monday. And for that reason, I don't see the running game being as prevalent as it was earlier in the season, maybe even earlier when these two teams met the first time around. That means that the Patriots are going to have to pass in order to be effective. And 
we went through that talented group of secondary, uh, you know, uh, you know, pass catcher, uh, you know, the pass defenders that uh, the Bills have. And it's simply just a pick your poison when it comes to that, uh, whether it's Newton or whether we see the kid Jared Stidham get a couple of reps. Um, the Patriots are going to struggle to throw the football on this team. So if you can't put points up consistently against a defense that, like you said, is peaking at the right time. That's a recipe for a disaster. On the defensive side of the ball, I think the Bills are going to try to take a page out of what they did the last time, and this run defense is porous. I think you're going to see Devin Singletary. I think you're going to see Zach Moss run the ball effectively. Uh, the Patriots just don't seem to have an answer for that right now. They lack that veteran presence in the middle of the interior uh, the, of the defensive line. The Bills will attack that, and that's going to be able to allow Josh Allen to test the secondary down the field. And the last time these two teams played one another, we mentioned the matchup between Diggs and Jackson. Jackson was matched up on Diggs, and Diggs had a strong game. And it caught six passes, 92 yards, just one too many weapons. And, you know, if in fact JC is able to, uh, to shut down Stefan Diggs, you've got Cole Beasley, you've got Gabriel Davis, you've got John Brown. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of weapons uh, that Josh has at his disposal. So I'd be lying if I said I was optimistic. I think the Patriots will hang around. They'll make it a game based on pride and the fact that they're playing at home. But uh, I see the bills coming out on top on Monday. That would be something. The Bills have struggled so much against uh, New England for so long, and for them to get the season sweep is um, it's unfathomable <laughs> uh, from from my side of things, Mike. So uh, I'm looking forward to the game, and, and I, I really appreciate this conversation like I do every time you and I get an opportunity to uh, hook up for a, a podcast recording. So uh, wishing you and, and your family a, a very wonderful holiday, and, and I'm looking forward to this game on Monday night. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Always a pleasure to join you on the microphone. My best wishes to you and yours for a very happy holiday. And everyone listening out there in Bills Mafia, in Pats Nation, happy holidays. Stay safe, stay well, enjoy the game on Monday night, and uh, enjoy this rivalry because it's good to have it back and uh, it's good for there to be some, uh, some uh, you know, good-natured animosity between both sides. We love it and uh, makes Joe's and my job a lot more exciting, I assure you. Uh, have a happy holidays, folks.